It means seeing your flaws, seeing your accepting flaws, them, accepting and realizing, and realizing I, can I can do better. So, these are just a few thoughts to think about on this podcast. So, welcome to Winning with Trevor. I appreciate your ears, your minds, and the time that you spend contemplating how you can be successful. Bienvenidos to another episode of Winning with Trevor, your no BS guide to self-improvement, to maximizing your own potential to succeed in life. What if life opened up to you like a door to opportunities? Suddenly, opportunity knocked, you were there in the right place at the right time. You opened that door and you were able to truly become successful in life. Well, this is what I'm here to help you do because it is all within our grasp to become successful at being ourself, the art of self-mastery. And as a quick note, you can go ahead and subscribe to my newsletter with cool life hacks every Tuesday at trevorwgoodchild.com slash subscribe. You can also snag yourself a copy of one of my newest ebooks I just released called The Four Myths of Happiness at trevorwgoodchild.com slash four myths, and that's the number four, M-Y-T-H-S. And also, got a new show coming up uh, this Saturday, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Now, I must apologize if it's 6.15 p.m., it's because I'm having some technical difficulties hooking up everything. But... 6 to 6.15 p.m. Central Standard Time every single Saturday. The Winning with Trevor show at my Facebook page, which you can navigate to at facebook.com slash Trevor Goodchild Inc. Inc. So that's Trevor W. Goodchild Inc. Sorry. God damn. It was Trevor Goodchild Inc. So it's facebook.com slash Trevor Goodchild Inc. Okay. Thank you for bearing with me. I just wanted to make sure everyone has that on their radar. You want to see what this crazy podcaster looks like in real life, in real time, on the moment, on the fly. Tune in this Saturday, 6 p.m. Central Time. Well, congratulations. You've made it this far into the year. The year is almost over. Welcome to Winning with Trevor, your no BS guide to self-improvement, bringing you cheerful insights into human nature Amusing anecdotal evidence for the survival of human beings via our value system and the beauty of compassion. Now, here in Austin, Texas right now, the leaves are turning yellow and red. We have some fall-ish, yet also winter-like weather. It's rather beautiful outside. It reminds me how important it is for us to develop our self-awareness of ourselves inside our environments as both part of the natural environment that we are seeing. We are animals with clothes. Spoiler alert, we are animals with clothes. Walking through a winter wonderland. No, walking through life, uh, seeing all these different objects, these cars, these trees, these birds, these skyscrapers downtown, these farmhouses, wherever you're at, right? We we have this whole environment set up that we're living inside of and rarely do we look at the individual parts for signs of beauty or this life as as I believe, uh, what is it, Ricky from American Beauty, he talks about how there's this magical life behind everything if you can look closer and how 
he saw this dead pigeon one time or something or dead dove on the ground and looking looking at it it was like god was looking right at him and he just had to be careful to be able to look back now i don't know if i have the bandwidth to actually go into what he might have meant with that statement it's pretty interesting but i think some of it harkens back to the the real amazing quality of human nature it is to be aware and both be part of but separate from our environment that's a really amazing thing because when you go to maybe a music show whether this is like some some really extreme heavy metal screamo mosh pit type stuff or a jazz concert or show or even a poetry reading we have this kind of sense of belonging to a larger being a larger crowd when we're part of something larger than ourselves. And we, we tend to kind of lose identity sometimes if we're part of our, our select social groups. And it's something like at a Wu-Tang concert, like uh, once I've been to at Rock the Bells, everyone is part of this feeling, right? You're in this mood, this vibe. When I saw Erica Badu perform live at uh, Rock the Bells at the San Bernardino Amphitheater near Los Angeles, uh, we were definitely as one uh, watching her sing amazing songs about Andre 3000, their child, and and just her understanding of life. It was amazingly beautiful and it was incredible, but it, it also signified this kind of sense of membership to groups outside of ourself, this, this sense of belonging that we have. We have this entire world that we also belong to and our own miniaturized aggregates of groups that we're part of. And it's interesting how self-awareness comes and goes within that context. Sometimes we feel as if we're not quite fitting in, and it's challenging. Sometimes people may go through the outer motions of trying to buy the right kind of clothes, the right kind of taste in music, the right kind of social colloquialisms to say the right thing. Is it cool or is it tight? Or is it turned up? It, it depends on your generation. It depends on where you're coming from and your sense of belonging to that social group. People often, people often will spend a lot of money trying to pretend like they're rich. You know, a lot of the students of the University of Texas in Austin, uh, where I've gone to school at, they they often do what's called anticipatory socialization, where people will buy clothes and cars and other things they can't really afford to pretend to be of a higher income status than they actually are in order to feel like they have this sense of belonging, this this group membership. And that's kind of a big deal, right? Our whole society is based on this this sense that we are the humans, the selected few. I mean, there's this whole John Tullo Sullivan Manifest Destiny Doctrine that was really racist, and it was all about how Native Americans were meant to serve our interests, basically, that you know their genocide was what God wanted because he put white pilgrims on this earth to conquer you know, the, the new land of America, named from uh, an Italian, ironically, Marigo. But it's it's this whole sense of, it's not only entitlement, it's it's a sense 
We desperately and fervently strive to feel like we belong. When is it okay to not belong? When is it okay to stand out? There's a saying that if you don't stand for something, you fall for anything, and there's definitely some truth to that. But do you want to be ostracized? Do you want to feel as if you don't belong anywhere with anyone for any crowd? Or do you want to do your best to try to fit in and make your friends happy by comforting them, accepting their social norms as your own, and adopting the the unspoken rules of their particular social group in order to feel at ease that you have somewhere you belong. How much does that mean to you and how much is that integral to your sense of who you are and your identity? When is it okay to say, I'm just different. I'm not part of what you're part of. I respect it. I respect you as a person but I don't necessarily have to join the same social groups and this dia- diaspora, diaspora, however you say it. You know, there, it's an interesting question. So as, we, as, I, as I walk through Austin during this kind of pre-winter, post-fall, not quite either, a little, little too cold for fall, but a little too warm for winter, this intermediate time, and I'm looking at the groups of people that belong in their specific tribe. I'm looking at the groups of people that belong in their sense of social status and recognition. And I'm also watching the environment to see the season change, and I'm admiring the, the beautiful change of the color of leaves. I'm admiring the birds and the trees, and I'm really soaking in the environment, and I'm, and I'm pondering, and I'm thinking about this whole sense of Group membership. For my regular listeners, you'll recall a few podcasts ago, I went into the whole, you know, kind of sacrificing your own sense of morality and your own sense of dignity and integrity of what is actually right because you wish to gain the approval of groups of people and how often just because a lot of people say something is true doesn't necessarily make it true. It just means that these people are all in agreement of one version of things that they're deciding to tell or spin to benefit their own previously existing prejudice or kind of excuse to target or hate someone. And, you know, it's really unfortunate that some people do drink that Kool-Aid. Some people do kind of get hypnotized by the sense of wanting to belong in a group so much that they're willing to hurt other people as a result, and disrespect their own sense of integrity and sincerity because they feel that their membership as part of this group is more important than their sense of what's right and how that's really wrong because you're not really being yourself. You're being a puppet of other people's agendas, essentially. And there's another saying that goes along with that, which is uh, doing what's right isn't always popular and what's popular isn't always right. And so we're not even going to go that deep. You know, I'm just kind of mentioning this, that this is a topic that's been covered before because it's it's a huge identity crisis, I think, for a lot of people out there, whether this, you know, gets into a, a middle-age identity crisis or it becomes a coming-of-age 
identity crisis or you're in your 20s or you're in your 60s, whatever. You know, people at different ages come to different conclusions that, wait, am I really being myself? Am I really being who I am or am I being what other people want me to be? So, you know, there's there's different levels of that. It doesn't always have to get to a crisis standpoint. Sometimes it's just a matter of really understanding where the line is and understanding that balance of being able to support other people's feelings and beliefs because you're you're their friend. And so you want to, to some extent, to say, hey, yeah, I got your back. You know, you're in a bar. Some, some a-hole frat boy is, you know, trying to toss insults to your friend. Do a Matt Damon Goodwill hunting scene and let him know what's up, right? That's... I'm not encouraging violence here. I'm just saying, you know, you got your friend's backs. That's that's definitely cool. But when that it starts to infringe upon your sense of what's right and wrong, that's where you really have to draw the line. It's where you got to put your foot down and say, you know, as much as I appreciate your friendship in my heart of hearts, I feel this is not right. And because I feel this way, I'm going to wish you the best of luck on your journey. I'm going to wish you the best of luck doing what you'd like to do. But when it comes to the choices I make, and then the person I become in the aftermath of making those choices, I'm going to have to sit and think about this for a second. And decide if this is really in my best interest. But I don't know. We don't really have to get that deep. It's just one of those things that it's very interesting when you contemplate the evolution of self-awareness to our ourself as being from the teenage years, not really understanding we have our own self-willpower, our own personal willpower to decide who we are and why we are, to that kind of coming of age, post-puberty, realizing, oh, I have some measure of control over how I look, what I do, if your parents are too, aren't too controlling, hopefully, and I have some sort of decision about how my life is going to be. But, I mean, how many times do we really make use of that free will. Sometimes people just do drugs in their 20s and wake up the next day and now it's 10 years later. What happened? You know, sometimes people get lost in the college game and they're forever a student and they're going to continue being a student till they're, you know, in their 50s or something and they never really get out of that. Professional students. Some people say teachers are just professional students. Now, I'm always going to be a student of life. Life is a miraculous, amazing entity that I am both part of and separate from that is beautiful and amazing and I'm constantly learning every single day. But I, I guess I just mean as far as like that fork in the road when you make those big life choices at an age that you're not really equipped to understand the ramifications of how those choices are going to shape your life and the ripple effect of that. And I think that's part of the theme of self-awareness here. Uh, the four maxims that I have is is that the ripple effects of what we decide to do are part of our ability to forecast our own futures by the evolution and development and cultivation of our self-awareness to realize exactly how what we do affects not only the people that are in our lives, but the very quality and nature of how our lives are shaped down the line. You make a small ripple in the pond on one end of it. How does that end up halfway across on the other side? What is the true effect of those actions, those emotional decisions for deciding what you feel is important to believe in, what you stand for, for those decisions. Because, I mean, you look at anybody that's had 
an ongoing problem with addiction to a drug, to food, to sex, to shopping, to the internet, to technology with the young people these days. You look at anyone that has a serious problem where they're addicted to something or an alcoholic, and you know, you go so long and then you relapse. You do okay and then you relapse. So when you relapse, you go back to the old habits that have really not helped you out. And so we make these huge decisions about where and how our life is going to be, not realizing the commodity of time, not realizing what a huge currency time itself is and how we can actually spend that to get the best benefit from our lives with the time that we have and how we invest that. How are we spending our time? You know, it's, just, it's something I fight with every single day. I have so many cool projects that I'm trying to, you know, under undertake. It's hard to sometimes keep track of the progress that we make as people through our life because we're taught to have our little notch in the bedpost uh, sense of, you know, getting a job, getting a degree, and making some money. And personal development is not really part of that, you know, I guess, established social norm. So it would be nice if it was. I think it would probably put people like myself out of business, people like Tony Robbins and Gary Vee, uh, out of business uh, if it really was taught in mass on how to self-actualize. Uh, but it's not. Our group membership says... Yes, let's be productive but complacent members of society. Don't rock the boat. Don't make too many waves. And if you do, like Martin Luther King or JFK, you'll get shot. So I think that's unfortunately one of the narratives that's been a prolonged kind of musing in the collective unconscious of at least Americans. And that's kind of why people are afraid in certain ways to explore who they really are because it would mean risking that group membership and we're addicted we're addicted to wanting to belong now i'm not saying that shit should be straight anarchy on the street you know cars on fire and you know whatever a typical walk down the street is in one of those war-torn countries across the ocean not saying that uh, i think there's definitely a place for societal norms and there's definitely a healthy interchange of social interactions when there is a mutual understanding of what's expected there's no no denying that but you were so we're so addicted to wanting approval we're so addicted especially post social media the dopamine hits from likes on facebook posts i may have mentioned before it's so ingrained into what we do. Have you ever dated someone that couldn't stop looking at their cell phone and you'd be out on a date and you'd try to talk to them but they were distracted trying to look at their cell phone for an update on their Snapchat, their Instagram, their Twitter, whatever the case may be, and you're kind of playing second fiddle to what's more important to them, which was their phone. So it's... It's one of those things that's kind of mutated, this sense of wanting to be accepted, wanting to belong. And it's it's made us socially awkward, I think, in a certain way that we weren't before. Because when we're forced to interact with each other one-on-one -on -one 
in person and really gauge someone else as a human being instead of as an emoticon or a emotionless text, it gives us a better sense of who someone really is and trust is easier to establish as well as mutual respect. But, you know, like the addicts of Requiem for a Dream that we are for this group approval, we slink back to our phones, we slink back to wanting to only fit in and do what is accepted already. And there's just a danger in that because we find ourselves really going through these outer actions, seeking approval, being part of a group, without really ever uh, being brave enough to ask ourselves if that's really us and it's really who we are. And this is not the same thing as people that are trying to not fit in and you know, there's like the so not in crowd that it's another in crowd of being not in crowd. That's not the same thing. That's kind of a, a fashionable, rebellious way of being. And it's not really like that. It's more of a, a chance to evaluate your individuality, your strength as a person, to truly say, I can pick and choose where I feel like I want to belong without necessarily subscribing to the dogma of that particular group. You can walk in and out. You can choose for a while to be part of this group and then decide that doesn't necessarily define everything about myself, but I enjoy socializing with these people. They say alcohol is a good equalizer, where you can socialize with people that you wouldn't normally socialize with because you're all getting intoxicated together, and I would agree with that. I'm not encouraging drinking of beer uh, or discouraging it if that's your lifestyle. Don't abuse it, but all I'm saying is that we often find ourselves in situations where we're interacting with people that aren't normally in our preferred social group because we have something else in common, right? Maybe the people that are at a bar and you you both don't really fit into the people that are <laughs> making up the majority of the crowd. You know, you're more of a rocker and there's a bunch of ravers there. Whatever <laughs> the whatever the demographics might look like at that point in time, you find yourself kind of making new friends and there's this equalizer where beyond your normal sense of what group you're supposed to be part of, you find a community with other people based on shared experiences. So that's one of the benefits of traveling, I think, that's that's kind of amazing is, you know, every time I've traveled, whether that's to New York or Chicago or San Francisco or Seattle or, you know, Hawaii, whatever, you you find your tribe sometimes. Not always. But you find you find these people that you have that common ground with. You share that with them. And it isn't always your preferred social group back home that you are, you know, real easy going and you fall in with immediately because it's habit. It's who you've always known. It's who you hang out with. It's your identified archetype for the group that you've selected to belong to and adhere to the social norms of. It's more of like, you know, you're just traveling and you're seeing someone like, oh, that person gets it. They understand. They have this kind of jacket. <laughs> they're wearing, they're, they're, they're sporting some good shoes from REI. I can tell they use these shoes to actually hike. They're not just sporting some Patagonia stuff they've bought to look nice. Like they're they're actually using this stuff. 
that's cool. You're the outdoors person. I can talk to them about rock climbing. I can talk to them about this. I don't know. Everyone's different. Everyone's got their own example that might fit in. But you, you find that sense of community that is outside of your normal preferred community because you realize the shared commonality, the shared common ground that you have with these people. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And it teaches us a lesson that we don't always have to subscribe to one group dogma. We don't always have to subscribe to accepting ourselves only if other people accept ourselves too and we look for that validation. It's difficult to get away from that. It's difficult to get away from the training of so many, you know, Leave it to Beaver cartoons. I don't know, not cartoons. Movies, media, depictions of what high school is supposed to look like. We, we have these sense that we have to find our crowd, but not necessarily. Sometimes our crowd is spread out. I've got friends in several different states and countries uh, based on the traveling that I've done, and it's nice. You have all these different perspectives, but you share this common understanding or respect, whether that's a respect kind of in some of my area of what I prefer of sustainability or, you know, really protecting the earth and, you know, trying to do our best to mitigate resource uh, allocation and damage to our resources by, you know, living responsibly. I don't know. There's so many different levels to it, but it's cool when you can you can recognize that someone else gets it. And it isn't necessarily all about these external signifiers, right? I know I can get along with you, bruh, because you got some tribal tattoos, half sleeves, both ears, you've got plugs in them, and uh, you got a beard. That just described most of Austin, Texas, post-MTV's uh, popularization of our city. But... Uh, <laughs> You can do that look if that's you, buddy. Go ahead. Go for it. Uh, anyone is allowed to be a dude bro if that is your calling. And it makes you feel at home. Uh, not calling anyone out. You're free to be who you are if it makes you happy. And no one else is hurt in the process. I, I guess, uh, you know, I, I have to apologize if this is not as focused as some of the other podcasts. I'm just kind of wondering about what it all means to really be part of a group and you know what it means to truly identify with the social norms of a group that you're part of and how do you assert your individuality without necessarily being in conflict with the group that you're part of it's an interesting balance because a lot of people only define themselves by the groups that they're part of or the roles that they play in life some people just live to work and all they can tell you about is how their job is this or that. And you ask them how their life is, and they just tell you this long story about how their work is. And it's like, that's not really your life. I mean, that's part of it. That's how you pay the bills. But what about you? People forget to explore. We forget to kind of take that that step outside of the roles that we play in life as a mother, as a father, as a sister, as a brother, as a you know, a postman, as a doctor, as a teacher, as a lawyer, as a social media expert or guru. We we have these ways of defining ourselves only by the roles that we play in other people's lives. And in that sense, group membership can be uh, rather toxic to self-development because it impedes our ability to understand ourself. So I guess, I guess in this long rigmarole, uh, and I apologize, again, I didn't structure this as well. I was just trying to explore what what group membership means these days. But I guess just to understand 
it's important to build community, and that community doesn't necessarily have to always be your typical in-crowd. You know, one of the things that disaster does or a mutual, you know, trauma people undergo, whether that's, you know, a car accident, a bank robbery, um, something that happens that's freaking foobar out there in the world where a lot of people have to work together to find a solution, to create a solution together. And you find your tribe, right? You find people that you normally wouldn't get along with or normally wouldn't think to try to socialize with. And you find you have common ground you didn't realize. And I guess that that helps you kind of break free some of the stigmas of I am part of this group. And as a member of this group, we don't associate with that group or those people or, you know, any variation. It doesn't always have to sound that, that pretentious, but... I think we, we limit ourselves with how much we're able to accept and truly perceive other people by obsessing over uh, wanting to belong and wanting to fit in. And again, I'm not promoting mass anarchy as, as the other alternative because I don't, I don't think that's very constructive or helpful for humanity to survive. But at the same time, I think there is a point in time where you, you've got to say, okay, I think I'm part of this group uh, I'm covered in tattoos, I wear leather jackets, and I ride a Harley. This is my crowd. This is my people. But who am I outside of that? And who are the people that I would normally not want to socialize with? Do I actually have common ground with them? Is there something that we really share? Can I find my tribe outside of my immediate peers? I think these are good questions to ask and to ponder. Well, as a reminder, if you'd like some free cool life tips every Tuesday... You can subscribe to my email at a newsletter at trevorwgoodchild.com slash subscribe. And I have a new ebook out, The uh, Four Myths of Happiness, trevorwgoodchild.com slash the number four myths, M-Y-T-H-S. And of course, the new weekly show going on every Saturday at 6 p.m.-ish Central Standard Time. Just to be warned, it sometimes goes on between 6 to 6.30 p.m or 6.15 p.m., depending on how I can get my camera set up. So I'm all new to this. I'm making mistakes. I'm learning from these mistakes because I've never done a live show before. So this is a brand new experience for me, juggling these different things. And uh, I'd love to see you there. I'd love to see you tune in with questions and comments to help build this community. And if anything you'd like to explore that wasn't explored before you'd like to talk about, please feel free to chime in. You can do so at my Facebook page at 6 p.m. Central this Saturday um, at facebook.com slash Trevor Goodchild INC. That about wraps it up for Winning with Trevor. I hope you're having a wonderful December so far and are looking forward to some happy times with your family during Christmas. Have a great one. It means seeing your flaws, accepting them, and realizing I can do better. So, these are just a few thoughts to think about on this podcast. This is Winning with Trevor, signing off. Appreciate your ears, your minds, and the time that you spend contemplating how you can be successful.